Um, fam, before we get to the show, our attorney has asked us to make the point that we are not in any way affiliated with what's the production company, girl? It's Cosgrove Muir Productions. And you guys, go watch the episodes. I know I don't have to tell you this. If we just sat here for an hour and said, go watch the episodes, I'd be happy with that. That's basically what we're doing, essentially, right? <laughs> we're just using different words, but that's the vibe. <laughs> anyway, now to the show. Girl, it's Unsolved Mysteries O'Clock! This is going to be all 12 episodes, right? This excitement. Just so I know. I'd like to be aware. It's my favorite day. What? what? That's it. That's exactly it. It's almost like I'm listening to the music. Almost. show you guys um hi happy hi. thursday and just a reminder that if you'd like more fun laughs good times with me and jillian pensavalli join us on the patreon you guys over 150 full bonus episodes to download and binge right this very second is there another jillian you're podcasting with that you had to say with jillian pensavalli <laughs> no i just really like saying all the syllables sometimes jillian pensavalli it really rolls off the tongue these days try jillian elizabeth pensavalli it's a mouthful oh. but it flows <laughs> But you know what? Now I can hear your mother, Jillian Elizabeth. You know, she never did that. Really? I never got middle named. I was in trouble. I'm not saying that. It's not that I didn't deserve to be middle named. That was just not a thing that we did. Anyway. I middle named my daughter like 15 times a day. You love it. It's more for you than it is for her. (laughs) You guys, the Patreon is where we do our series. You can find episode by episode coverage of McMillions, I'll Be Gone in the Dark, Making a Murderer. Fear City, The Vow. The Vow, you guys. It's crazy. Tiger King. Don't F with cats. After parties, we're hanging out. We're sending you stuff. We're Zooming with you. It's a whole thing. When I was a little kid, I used to go out for ice cream with my sister. We would tell the guy, so much caramel that you think you're going to throw up, but then you don't. So you guys, it's so much Jillian and me that you think you're going to throw up, but then you don't. That was the direction you gave the ice cream person? (laughs) Totally. I'm so relieved you say caramel and not caramel. No, caramel. Thank you. I am proper white trash, you guys. No, caramel's (laughs) the right way to say it. Caramel is wrong. Oh, really? It's spelled C A R A M E L. It's caramel. Girl, what are we talking about today? Which, it's episode two, it's called 13 Minutes. Give us a preview. Okay, it takes place in Georgia, and this lovely woman goes missing and is found murdered. Oh, God, this is what we, okay. I know. And her son is here and awesome. Her friends are great. Her husband sucks, and it's just, this is kind of where we are. Let's go to Georgia. Come with me. I can't go alone. I don't want to do it by myself. You guys, we open on a very, very, very handsome young man. His name is Pistol Black. Yeah. And he, and he wears the hell out of whatever it is he's wearing. I can't. It's not, it's not a tweed jacket a la Paul Holes and I'll be gone in the dark, but Pistol looking Look, fly. He's been to hell and back in his life. He is so handsome. I'm going to say it here and I'm not going to say it anymore. This kid is so handsome. That's all. So it's the opening thing that Unsolved Mysteries does so well where he's just like. She had never said anything about leaving. It just didn't make sense. There wasn't a struggle. Nothing was moved inside the salon. It's like she just walked out the front door, kept walking. It was like she walked out the door and kept on walking. And it's like, This formula is just, it was perfected in a lab in the 80s. And they just, if it ain't broke. 
So Pistol tells us this all happened when he was in 10th grade. Mm-hmm. He sets the scene for us. He said his mom, Patrice, would wake him up every morning by like starting the treadmill and then running on it. <laughs> we learned so much about their relationship. She's a cool mom. And like yeah. usually we're like, oh, like mean girls. Like I'm not a real mom. I'm a right. cool mom. But Patrice right. was like cool and truly. Yeah. And so Pistol is telling us the story. And I'm like, oh, God, high school. And he's like, we argued a little bit that morning. I was in a hurry to uh, get to school because I um, I was dating a girl at school, and uh, if I could get there a little early, I'd get to talk to her before we got to you know go to class. You are so 15 and in love. I know. Meanwhile, like little gay Patrick wants to get to school early so he can see Pistol before right. class starts. I'm like the little annoying dog, like puppy love in love with Pistol, like gay friend that like carrying my trombone, walking down the hallway, being like, hi, Pistol. <laughs> yipping and <laughs> yipping and nipping at his ankles. Hi. 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 I like your face. Hi. Hi. Oh, 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 you go okay. over there now? Oh, okay, talk cool. To that girl? Maybe, maybe okay. I'm there too. All right, bye. Maybe I'm there too. Okay, fine, fine. No. I love him. <laughs> um, so it's April 15th, 2004. Patrice the mom drops him off at school. And you guys, this happens in every Unsolved Mysteries episode. Like She dropped me off at school, told me she loved me and that uh, she'd see me in the afternoon. I said, okay, I love you too. And um, that was it. That was the last time I talked to her. That's the last time this 15-year-old kid ever saw his mother. Right. And so then, like, later on, he's in bio, and he's... I don't know why that was funny. It's just the way you said it's it. it's so high school. He's in bio. Like, uh. You're disdained for bio. <laughs> Which, interestingly enough, like, I am very pro-science. But at uh-huh. 15, undiagnosed ADHD, I'm like, bio? I know. Who has the time? And I definitely didn't read a book. I read, like, I Catcher in the Rye and uh, One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest, which I love, and, like, To Kill a Mockingbird. I read the good books, but I'm not reading, like, any of the others. No. A bio book, please. So, Poor Pistol is in bio. And so, they take him out of class, which is never good. Believe me, I know. And... And I yeah. thankfully don't have this experience. And he's taken out of class. I never got taken out of class. I was such a good kid. God. <laughs> you would have liked me in high school. I was nice. I would have. You would have been trying to get me to like stay in class and not cut physics. And totally. I would have been like, Patrick. I know. <laughs> Anyway, so he gets taken out of class. He's brought down to the principal's office and they ask him, have you spoken to your mom like recently? And he's like, no. Uh, This morning when she dropped me off, like every other kid in this building. I know. But then they're like, do you have any way of getting in touch with her? So he calls her on her cell phone. No answer. He says he calls her three times. He's like, anytime I called, she didn't answer right away. She would immediately call me back. My mother was extremely involved in every facet of my life. Was at every meet, every game. I've never met anybody that always wanted the other person around her to be happy. Always. She went to every game, every event. She always wanted him to be happy. And, you know, she was really, really passionate about being a hairstylist, which yeah. was her job. And she loved it. And Pistol tells a story, which is like to him is a very like, Mom, not again. But to me, watching this, what Patrice would do is like. When I was 15, would drive me crazy is do your hair this way. Or, you know, I'm going to try something new on your hair this week. So. About every other week, I would have a different color hair or a different haircut or a mohawk or, you know, just something crazy. I think that he suffered so much trauma from, like, the hair that his mom gave him that he's bald now. He shakes his head totally. (laughs) But I just think it's like, wow, your mom was like, let's do a blue mohawk this month or whatever. And Pistol's like, mom, stop being so cool. (laughs) Which is a totally valid teenage boy thing to say, absolutely. But, like, that's how invested she was. And she was just kind of 
cool. She didn't sweat the small stuff is kind of what you. No. But she was like very invested. So now we meet her friends. Yeah. You know, we get all the stuff we always get. It's Patrice was always smiling. The shop was her dream. She made you feel special. Like that's why yeah. everyone was so concerned because everyone knew her and her shop was small. It was like one chair. It was just her. So like yeah. she really yeah. got to know her customers. Yeah. And they tell us that her husband, Rob, helped her get it started. Oh. And then all <laughs> Jillian's face just Interesting. Changed. Rob, Rob, you say? <laughs> Rob, is that it? So we are outside of like a garage. Like we see like a garage door opening and we see this guy and it's Rob Ender Endress. Is that how you say it? I don't know. I didn't even write down his last name. I don't like him. <laughs> Usually I write down everyone's last name. <laughs> Well, we see this guy, Rob Endress, and it was Patrice's husband. And, of course, this dirtbag. He's such a fucking dirtbag, this guy. Okay, good. Yeah, I'm not giving him any benefit of any doubt. I really don't like him. He gets, no. he gets like, so creepy. And cruel. Like, he was creepy cruel. and cruel. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so the first thing he tells us, of course, is that... Patrice was 30 years old when I first met her. I was 50. 20 years her senior. She was renting a chair at a two-station beauty salon and I was driving by and needed a haircut and stopped in and that's the beginning of the story. I said, she's going to be my wife. She's going to be my wife. And it, like coming out of the right person's mouth, it's sweet. For him, it sounds demanding and patriarchal and just gross. Yeah. And you know, we'll, we'll get into this later. So but he says, he's like, we were together for seven years. Seven years with Patrice. They were the best years of my life. I just remember the highlights and the beauty and the warmth and the love. I only remember the highlights and the beauty and the love. I don't remember anything else. And in my notes, I just have, hmm. I immediately, <laughs> the fact that he's just like, everything was great at Puppies and Rainbows. What are you talking about? Immediately made me go, uh, ears up. What's with this? Yeah. So we meet at McDonald, who like has a very interesting hairstyle. Anne is who I was talking about last week. Anne oh, is yeah. like, I, we could totally <laughs> hang out with Anne. Yeah, Anne's great. I met Patrice many, many years ago as a walk-in to her shop. And we hit it off. And over the years, we just became very close friends. Her shop was so close to my home. It was basically like our little hangout. They were best buds. Yes. Like, yeah. And she's like, I stopped in every single day after work because it was on my way home. <laughs> she was there the night before Patrice went missing. They were like best buds, thick as thieves. You know, Anne was like trying to think that she ran the place sometimes. Tot oh, yeah. She would like bit. answer the phone sometimes and it would like make Patrice mad. Right. Sometimes it's like, Anne, that's really cute. But like, Anne, like I have a business. Like I, I, I like... <laughs> Totally like rose up through the ranks. I built the shit on myself. I'll answer totally. the phone. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Go sit and hang out. <laughs> or not. I love Anne. Anne, I want to hang out with you. I also love the idea that like Anne like opened the bottle of Chardonnay like at the hair salon. Yeah. Like she, you know what I mean? Like For sure. on the weekends when she would come and visit Patrice, she would like walk up the highway carrying the full wine glass. At, like Anne and I will have Cosmos at 1130 one morning. Totally. One morning <laughs> in the after times, Anne and I will be like Cosmos, right? Like totally. Yeah, I hate to break it to you though I really get the sense she's a Chardonnay girl not a Pinot Grish I'm talking about Cosmos <laughs> I don't mean to offend your sensibility I'm just saying I think we've made it clear that you can be a Pinot Grish and a Chardonnay couple and still <laughs> make it in the long run and make it work yeah, yeah totally. I think we yeah. can totally do it we'll make it happen 
so we learn that like what's going on the day that Patrice goes missing the cops get a call from a client who showed up for a haircut and Patrice wasn't there and like this is one of those things where like you know like I make another podcast about missing people and this fucking varies every story sometimes it's like the cops won't even pay attention for 72 hours sometimes it's five minutes later state to state like uh-huh. a friend can file the missing persons report or that it has to be the next of kin the fact that the sheriff shows up five minutes after Patrice is like you guys how do you know she wouldn't go out for coffee how do you know she's not in the bathroom like it seems like this thing happens in five minutes the cops are all over the place right because Anne called them yeah and Anne's like girl we made plans the night before because she was like oh she always called me woman like woman are you coming and Anne's like I'll totally be there so they made plans and Patrice is not me she's not the type of person to have her phone off my phone is always either off or on silent so Anne's like wait a second what it like something looks bad here so I think you get Anne on the phone to the sheriff the sheriff is showing oh god it's Anne it's we gotta we gotta really pay attention to this one we're never gonna hear the end of it from her and she's always right so let's go (laughs) so uh Ron Freeman Sheriff Ron shows up we received a 911 call that said a client had showed up at Patrice's hair salon and she was missing. As soon as I got there, we kind of all looked at each other and, and I just, I remember the, eye, the look in each other's eyes like, this doesn't look good. Oh, shit. Like, they believe <laughs> Anne and they immediately are like this. Right. <laughs> oh, shit. Thank you for calling us because yeah. something terrible happened. And I'm like, huh. What's that like? That seems we never hear that. I know it's been an hour. Like for like all we know, she's out of toilet paper and had to run to the Target. It's bananas. Yeah, they're saying they're calling Anne Ma'am in the nice way, not in the like Ma'am, Ma'am. Okay, you're gonna have to relax. You're doing that hysterical woman thing again, Ma'am. They're more like, oh my God, Ma'am, would you like a seat? It's Uh that kind uh of Ma'am. It's the good Mm, Ma'am. Totally. So they're telling us that like the cash register was open, money was missing, her purse was there. It seemed like she was warming up her lunch, and like nothing else was touched. So they're like, you would never walk in there and say, okay, this is a crime scene. We found no blood. We found no overturned furniture. We found no drag marks. There wasn't a lot of evidence. There wasn't a lot of things to point you in one direction or another. It looks bad, but also like not like a crime scene. Like there was no blood. There was no overturned furniture. So like who the fuck knows what happened here? But like it doesn't look good. Yeah, she picked up and left in the middle of a couple of different things. Like she just left some for some reason immediately. And then the cops make the worst decision I've ever heard of. They bring Pistol, the son, to the barbershop to then tell him there. The barbershop girl? The salon. (laughs) The barbershop. Anne, I know. Anne, Anne. Anne's looking at me like, what is she talking about? Anne, I know, please. Anne spit out a mouthful of Cosmo listening to this episode when I said barbershop. She just spit it out. Anne, we'll talk about it tomorrow (laughs) at breakfast with our Cosmos. (laughs) Exactly. They bring Pistol down to the hair salon to tell him that his mother is missing so he can have like a very fucking public nervous breakdown about it. Right. So again, he's in 10th grade. The cops pull him out of school. 10th grade. 10th grade. And it also just shows like this is the two of them here. You know, like it shows what a cohesive unit Patrice and Pistol were. Totally. That they go to him to tell him about his mom. So he is in disbelief and it's so heartbreaking because he's saying... And then they said, yeah, she's missing. Immediately I broke down because it was like, what do you mean? You know, I I don't understand. No, there's no way. She, she'll be back. You know, I don't know what's wrong with her cell phone. I don't know why she left it, but she'll be back. She's she's just going somewhere for a little while. Oh, 
oh, if she's not here, like she must be coming right back. Like she's not gone, gone. She's just not here right now. Right. And she went somewhere real, real quick. And don't worry about it. It seems super weird that you call me. Thanks for getting me out of the bio, though, because what a drag <laughs> that is. But there's no way. And like, yeah. of course, as a 15 year old, like it doesn't compute that suddenly the cops are here and you're at your mom's work. Right. None of that works. So he's like, oh, she'll be right back. How could she not be? She's my mom. Exactly. God, that is so brutal to hear. Yeah. Because that is exactly what he thought. Yeah. So now we're back with Rob, the husband. So he's like, he goes, he, and he tells us this. He's like, I get to the scene and the cops are like, oh, you're the husband? Yeah, let's talk to the station, buddy. Let's make this official. You're the husband. Right. Yeah. We're going to yeah. do this the right way. And Rob says to us, I didn't feel like a suspect, but yeah, I get it. I have a degree in criminology. <laughs> I'm Patrice's husband. And a lot of times husbands are guilty of killing their wives. So you, you know, you get to do this. I know I'm the husband. I probably did it. I have a degree in criminology. I don't know if you know. There's like a 95% (laughs) chance I did it because that's science. So yeah, like you don't have to tell me I'm going down to the station. And I'm like, who are you, Betty Draper, saying she's not stupid? She she can speak Italian? Right, right. This guy, Rob, is that guy who doesn't know anything, who like at every family dinner talks and pontificates like he's an expert on every subject. He's that guy. He's sharing the shitty memes on Facebook. He thinks he like believes in Pizzagate or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Obama's from Kenya. Totally. The whole thing. And they're like, uh, like a hundred different sources, but the sources are all like memes. Like that's who Rob is. Just a total insufferable idiot. That's who this fucking guy is. Right. So now we meet this guy, Captain Bill Franco or Franco or whatever. I'm going with Franco. Okay. (laughs) Save, save Franco for next episode when we're in France. That one's creepy as shit, you guys. Creepy. But like this whole scene, I don't know why I like loved this scene. He's in his car and he gets out of the car to stand in front of the hair salon. But it's clearly a staged shot. Like the camera's on a dolly. Mm -hmm. So like I just had this thought of them like, you know, they called action. Like this is a real cop in a cop car and they called action. It's like his introduction shot. Totally. They like rehearse this. Yeah. All right. We'll start with you in the car. We'll call action. You open the door. You want the camera's going to sweep around. And they're like, just act normal. And he's like, what, like this? And he's just not looking normal. He's like, does my elbow look weird over here? And they're like, on the window? Yeah. Could you relax a little? It's like, just don't tell you remember them. Walking. Don't tell them. That, yeah, yeah you, you, you remember what that, that movement is, sir, don't you? Just don't tell them that you're filming. He does that thing that you can't stand, which is like he talks in cop speak. We didn't want to come out and say that we had a kidnapping because we didn't know if you had a kidnapping or not. There was nothing that, that indicated a crime had occurred outside of the location. The only thing that was out of place was her motor vehicle. The only thing that was out of place was her motor vehicle? Her motor vehicle. (laughs) Bill. 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 I'll give Bill a pass on this because I feel like he actually wants to solve the thing. And to me, that goes a long way. If you actually want to do your job, I'm like, you can say motor vehicle if you have to. I I totally. If you want to say apprehend. 100%. 100%. Right. That's so you can do that because you're trying yeah. to do your job and not be garbage. Yeah. It all hinges on are you going to be garbage? Yes. Like Rob isn't going to get away with right. a goddamn thing. Right. Rob is, he's done. It's not even an uphill battle because it's no. A, there's no hill. It's done. He's over. It's over. Bill, you can uh-huh. say motor vehicle, Bill. It's right. okay, girl. Yeah. Motor vehicle. Travel down. It's a big day. Everyone pull over. Pull over. Elf Cosmetics is a sponsor this week. And I didn't even beg them. (laughs) 
e.l.f. Cosmetics. It stands for eyes, lips, face. They've been my favorite cosmetics brand for like years and years and years. I mentioned them on the live because when we do our Insta lives on Tuesdays, you guys are very, very sweet. And you say, what's my skincare routine? This is it. It's e.l.f., okay? <laughs> e.l.f. Cosmetics is all about bringing the best of beauty to every eye, lip, and face. Get it? e.l.f., eyes, lips, face. And the thing is, they are so affordable. So affordable that you think it's a scam. <laughs> Everything is 100% vegan and cruelty free. So I have the holy hydration face cream. I have the nighttime face cream. I have the face cleanser. I have oh the God. primer. I have the 16 hour camo concealer. What are you concealing over there? Your face is perfect. You don't need that. I'm a bad sleeper and sometimes it shows under my eyes. I'm not very good <laughs> at the sleeping, but you'll never know it because of Elf. When we got the email that they were a sponsor, I know. I looked over and I saw like all my cosmetics and I was like, Elf, 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 Elf. It's all Elf. I've never ever seen you email so much with our ad people as you have like over your excitement about getting elf because i thought they were spying on me i was like do they know i've been screaming about them let's do it on the air you guys right now as an exclusive offer for podcast listeners you can get 25 percent off your elf purchase of 40 dollars or more go to elfcosmetics.com slash tco and use promo code tco to get this exclusive offer that's the best deal out there right now you guys and you won't find it anywhere else that's promo code tco at elfcosmetics.com slash TCO for 25% off your elf purchase. You guys go get your elf on it. Be as beautiful as Jillian if you dare. For like not that much money. Cosmetics <laughs> are always so expensive. I can't get over it. Elf, I love you. Never leave me. Never leave me. The most important thing I think that we get out of this section is that like Patrice had a very specific place she parked her car every day. She parks her car at the side entrance to the salon and he was saying the only thing that was out of place at the salon was that her car was pulled up in front of the salon. Like it pulled up like in a place where the car never is. Yeah and like the wheels were turned so it kind of looks like oh shit let me just jump in real fast and then I'll yeah. go. But it was not parked but it was like stopped Right is what they're trying to say. And then Pistol tells us that like about two weeks prior she had said to me, if I was to ever go anywhere, where would you go? And I said, I don't know. I mean, my dad's house, I guess. She didn't say she was going to leave, but more of a scenario of what if something happened? Okay, Pistol, I know you're only in 10th grade, sweetheart, and you're, like, thinking about that girl you want to talk to before school in the morning, but could you ask your mom a follow-up question? Like, what's going on, mom? Why would you ask me a fucking creepy-ass question like that? Yeah, and the thing is that's so, like, oh, god damn it, this world, yeah. like, how did we get here, is that, like, it doesn't occur to him because in his heart, she'd never leave him. Right, he, right. Because it would never yeah. occur to him that she would just pick up and go. Like, what? I took it more as, like, you know, I know bad people or something, or, uh -huh. like, I'm in a bad fucking marriage with a guy I don't like anymore. Well, that's true. And I might leave him and maybe he'll kill me. And what, what would happen to you if that happened? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Ugh, it's just, it's so terrible. We have I entered know. the ghoulish territory. This is the ghoulish part of the program. Right. <laughs> we get the timeline of the day Patrice goes missing and she had clients yeah. all morning. So at 8.50, Pam Shepard shows up for her nine o'clock appointment. Thank you, Pam, for being early because being on time is late. We all know that. I love that you are saying nice things about Pam because I've got some shit to say about Pam in a second. What did I forget about Pam? What happened? <laughs> Nothing. Here's the thing. Patrice has that job. She's yeah. a hairstylist. She works at a, at a hair salon. She owns a hair salon. She's got that job where like her job is literally to talk to people all day long. Yes. And so she's having a day where she doesn't feel like talking that day. Right. And Pam makes a note to the cops. Pam tells us that Patrice seems distracted. Not very attentive to her. Pam! 
strikes me as somebody who needs maybe a little bit more attention than she's deserving of. And I was like, can Patrice just have a day where she doesn't feel like talking, goddammit? Yeah, Pam, you're paying for the haircut. You're not paying for the therapy. You know what I, I mean? Know. <laughs> I know, you know, I know, I know. Because the thing that happens is that then we find out that 11.05 is when Pam leaves. If you guys remember, she got there at 9 o'clock. Pam Shepard stays until 11.05. That's a crime in and of itself, sweetheart. She got there at 10 to 9. She was there at 8.50, early. Yeah. <laughs> she opened, she like, Patrice shows up and she's like, girl, I've been waiting here. And Patrice she's, is like, I've been waiting here to chit chat and talk your goddamn ear off all morning. Please. But see, now I t- here's what I took from that. So Pam leaves at 11.05. At 11.10, Paul Cantor arrives to get his haircut. Paul leaves at 11.27. Now I have- To which I said, that's how you do it, Pam. No, girl. You have clearly never had anything done to your hair. I've just, oh, I, no. I was like, that time difference is so fucking real. I was like, it takes us so much longer to get anything done. Try, you know how long this color takes? No. For Ever. I'm not taking issue with the amount of time Pam spent there. I just don't like Pam's damn attitude. I don't like it that this woman is missing and she's like, and you know what else? She wasn't very nice to me the day she disappeared. She was a li- she was a little curt. Yeah, Pam. Pam rela- like not about you, Pam. And that's right. fine, but I didn't even pick up on that because I was like, the things the women have to do, we're there for four hours and Paul is in and out in 17 minutes. I know. <laughs> But then we also find out that a customer calls to change an appointment. I'm assuming it's Pam's sister because this customer also reports to the police that Patrice was short with her on the phone. Can everyone cut Patrice some slack? I know. Yeah, because I don't know what this is about. I don't know what this means. Like, Patrice wasn't involved with anyone shitty. Here's the only thing that I'm thinking, because what we're about to learn is that, like, that call from Pam's sister to change the appointment and she really needed Patrice to be super over-the-top nice to her. Pam's sister. (laughs) What if her sister is really great? And what if her sister was like, Pam, you have to take it easy on Patrice. <laughs> now we're, what is this, libel, slander, Pam's poor sister? What if she was on our side? They gave us her full name. Her full name is Pam Shepard, and I don't like the way she talks about Patrice. But so the 1135 call comes in to change the appointment. The next call comes in at 1150, and she doesn't answer the phone. So this episode is called 13 Minutes, because the cops are saying, So you can draw the conclusion that something's not right here. It's critical that we understand what happened in that 13 minutes. Between 11.37 and 11.50. Whatever happened to Patrice happened in the 13 minutes between that 11.35 call and the 11.50 call. So when Pam's sister called at 11.35 and Patrice... But, I, 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 hate, I hate to be a Steve about it, but the call ends at 11.37 and then 11.50 and that's the 13 minutes. That's the... Okay, fine, fine. I hate, I hate to be a Ms. Okay. Tipton about I, it. It's okay. And aside homework my, on the weekend. My point is, my feeling is whoever took Patrice was in the salon when she was on the phone with Pam's sister making the 1135 call. That's my guess. That's why she was Kurt. You think they were there? Yes. Oh, I think okay. the I think the crime was in progress and the phone was ringing and she's like, if I don't answer, they're going to know something's wrong. And whoever took her, let her answer the phone and that's why she was acting weird. So that was 1137. And then by 1150, she's already gone because it's an unanswered call which never happens with Patrice girl look at that Look at those chills. I think you're onto something here with this. So we learn that at 11.45, which is in the middle of that 13-minute window, right? right? The call ends at 11.37. 11.50, she doesn't answer the, the phone. So at 11.45, there are two independent witnesses who don't know each other who are sort of driving past the salon at different angles. They're driving by, like, they're going in different directions. And so, again, it's pointed out that Patrice's SUV was not in its usual place. I noticed first her SUV which was normally parked on the side, which was now visible. 
and a Chevy Lumina, which was pulled directly into the shop. I did notice the Chevy Lumina did have the Georgia quail wildlife tag. Yeah, because it's not in a parking spot. Like I was saying earlier, it just looks like it was stopped, but not like deliberately parked. And like for those people who drive, they might understand like it's a position your car would be in if you're going to do like a jump for another person's car. Well, I can't confirm nor deny that. I don't know. Right. (laughs) About that. But we meet Tammy Fincher and she is one of the, the witnesses. And she's the one who says like her car was in a weird place. There was also a blue car that she's calling Illumina that had the quail license plate of Georgia. To which I said Tammy Fincher was paying very close attention. You know what's really cool about that license plate? Can I get on a soapbox for two seconds? Please. When you buy that license plate, you know, you see them in the South, like Florida with like the manatee on it. And so this thing for Georgia, it's a special license plate where when you're like, yeah, I'll pay the extra 25, 30 bucks or whatever at the DMV. All the money goes to preserving Georgia wildlife. Oh, my God. That's amazing. I love it. My thinking was that Tammy Fincher saw Patrice's car in a weird way. She saw the make and model of the other car with the license plate. And I said, I think that Tammy Fincher is kind of the neighborhood gossip who knows everybody's business. She's paying a lot of attention to all the little things. Great. Sometimes those people are very valuable. I know. Sometimes they're a total pain in the ass. But sometimes uh-huh. sometimes they're like, we have to invite her to the party because she knows it's happening because she's the gossip and she knows everything. Totally. She's going to talk about uh, all this stuff. She's so annoying. But yep. sometimes when she's a witness yep. and she's like, that's a goddamn Chevy Lumina, I will die on this hill. Because the second witness yep. who also saw this thing independently, they don't know each other. They're just two witnesses who the cops spoke to. The other yeah. witness says it's a different car altogether. Same color, though. They saw the same color car, but like a different kind of car. And so Tammy, like we're back to Tammy. Tammy. Tammy's with us, the other witness is in, and Tammy's like, There were two ladies that I saw in front of the Lumina. A taller, dark-headed lady. She was more like in the middle of the car. And then on the passenger side in the front of the car was an older lady. I saw two women in front of the Lumina. Like, it's almost (laughs) like they told her that the other witness says it's a Chevy whatever. And Tammy, like, goes out of her way to just call it a Uh Lumina over and over again. I'm believing Tammy. I'm going with Tammy on this one. Yeah, and the two people that Tammy sees, the other witness also sees two people. It's conflicting about, like, was it a man and a woman or two women? But it's, like, two people standing in front of the hair salon. And Tammy says that the people, she describes it as having hands on each other. They had hands on each other. I don't know if one had had tripped, if one was pushing one down, if one was helping one up. It just did not look normal. And then Special Agent Mitchell cuts in. He's like, this is great because both witnesses say the exact same thing. I'm like, no, they don't. (laughs) One saw a man, one saw a woman. Tammy definitely saw Lumina. Don't know if you've heard about it. This other man who's not here to tell us his story because it's probably uh-huh. wrong saw a different kind of car. Like, yes, and but I know what he's saying. They both saw cars, like a second car there and a second person who, because the guy was like, oh, I think it was a, a short man with shoulder length hair. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I, I, essentially, they saw the same thing, but it's so funny to hear like totally. hear them describe the differences and then one of the, the agents being like, these witnesses are credible because they essentially saw the same thing. They saw exactly the same thing. This is great. And I'm like, they... What what two minutes of this doc did you just watch? So we're back to Pistol and like Pistol is saying, you know, everyone said she would never leave me. She'll be back in a few months. He says, I was a few months from 16 when this all happened. It made me grow up very fast. And it's really sad, but like what's happening while he's talking is we're seeing like a reenactment of people walking through the woods in the middle of the night with flashlights, like searching Mm -hmm. to which like my brain was like, 
Okay, that's a beautiful image. That would never happen in real life. That would be a very ineffective way of doing a search. No. You guys, you know what we're going to do? Take a nap during the afternoon, but get your flashlights. As yeah. soon as you can't see anything, we're going to go march straight into the woods and look for this lady. Yeah, when it's the darkest of yeah. the night. <laughs> Instead of just like, you, you know when it's like first light? Go to bed. We need to get your rest. Have a big, have a lot of carbs. Do we have to do? Just, you know, relax all day long. But as soon as it's pitch black out, meet us in the forest. We're going to find her. And I don't want to see you at sundown. I, I, I'm saying in the dead of night, I want you out there. Like, what? Like, it's a beautiful cinematic image that doesn't right. make any sense. Again, like, beautifully gloomy, ghoulish, creepy. Yes. Great. But we have electricity now, guys. And also sunlight. Like, exactly. I don't know. Right. Like, don't, get your, we, like, thank you for the flashlights. <laughs> totally get it. Flashlights, valuable. Electricity is valuable. The middle of the night, 1130. They're out there. I know. Travel down the road and back again. Hey, fam. Today's episode is brought to you by the podcast Wine and Crime, made by three of our favorite true crime ladies, and we're going to let them tell you about it. Hey, true crime fans. Have you listened to Wine and Crime yet? We're a true crime comedy podcast hosted by three childhood friends who chug wine, chat true crime, and unleash our worst Minnesotan accents. Sure, duel. Each week, we pick a true crime topic and pair it with a delicious wine before delving into the background and psychology behind the crime. Then we share and speculate wildly about a couple of bonkers cases related to that topic. Oh, yeah. And past episodes include necrophilia, cults, crimes of passion, cruise ship disappearances, and exorcisms gone wrong all over a bottle of wine. Or three, let's be honest. (laughs) Yes, truth. Listen anywhere you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Wine and Crime Pod. And check out our website and blog at wineandcrimepodcast.com. Cheers! So now we're with Pistol and we're back at the house where he lived with his mom and Rob, like the stepdad or whatever. Right. And we find out that the last night he slept at that house was the night before she went missing. So think about this. We were with them. Like she drops him off at school the next morning. She vanishes. He never sleeps at that house again. Right. Then this is where we start learning more about Rob because Pistol says this is very bittersweet because he's back. He's like there now, like today, like filming Unsolved Mysteries. Yeah. Somehow they're like... In the house filming, yeah. And that, you know, you said last episode, like, did they ask permission for this? They definitely did. Because we know for sure <laughs> totally. that pistol wasn't there. And he's like... This is a, a bittersweet memory for me. I dealt with a, a lot of uh, deep issues in this home. But I have a lot of good memories here, too. But I also remember having memories here where I would stay in my room just so I wouldn't have to deal with uh, Rob. Ding, ding, ding. Here we fucking go. Yeah, and so we learn that, like, Patrice and Rob get married in March of 97, and, like, Pistol says for the first year, Rob tried to be a good stepdad. And Pistol was, like, eight or nine at the time. Yeah, very young. Yeah. And then a year later, it just, like, flipped. And, of course, like, Pistol doesn't know why, but, like, as grown-ups and people who cover shit like this all the time, and Mm -hmm. so many people say it in this documentary, like, the mom started paying more attention to her own child sometimes than her husband, and 
that made him insane. And the thing is, I think Patrice never changed. This is who she always was with Pistol. And I think Rob thought, uh, I'll change her within the first year. Like, I'll I'll be nice to this stupid kid and a stupid mom and then, like, win them over. And then he realized that Patrice was always going to take Pistol's side, always be this very present, engaged mom. And so Pistol tells us, like, he'd walk past my room and just say really crude stuff. Many of my friends that would come over would see it and would hear the uh, snide comments that he would make. I went through years of it. He was so mean and he would walk past my room and say this really crude stuff. And we don't get examples of that. Which I was like, I want to know what that is exactly. Like, what was the shit he was saying? Like, I want, I wanted to know. And so, yeah, the friends and her sister, like, they're just saying, like, he was jealous of everyone. Like, Pistol, her clients at the salon, her friends, Anne, my best friend Anne. Like, he just didn't want her to have a life that didn't completely revolve around him. And when you think about it, like, that's exactly who this guy is. Like, exactly. Yeah, we get like Pistol is saying they would fight all the time and whenever it was about me my mom would never back down and it cuts to Rob right after Pistol is describing the horrible fights he would watch his mother and Rob get into and he's like Patrice and I didn't argue we never argued there's no point in arguing all that does is drive divisions in a, in a relationship Patrice and I never argued. And I was like, girl, you know that other people are being interviewed for this, right? Right. Like, how can you not be imagining exactly how they're going to edit this? It's going to be 15 people talking about what a piece of shit you are. Right. And then it's going to cut to you saying how everything was great. Right. And what really struck me about that, the really, that made him be like, oh, the racist uncle with all the memes. Because he goes, oh, we didn't argue. There's no point in arguing. It just drives a wedge between you. And I'm like, no, you fought. You absolutely argued. But you want us to see like, no, 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 it wasn't arguing. No, 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 no. Because I don't do that. Because I don't believe in that. Because I'm so smart. All it does is drive. So he's like admitting it, but not because he's like, I don't really see it that way. I don't see that as a fight. I just see that as like, I'm smarter than her and I'm right. You know what I mean? Like he. I'm educating her. I'm teaching her. I'm training her. Yeah. It's such bullshit. I can't imagine giving an interview like that, not knowing exactly how it was going to come off. Right. And I got news for you. It gets worse. Yeah. He's like, look, one of the things Patrice and I struggled with. Oh, you didn't fight about it? Interesting. (laughs) Struggled with. One of the things that we struggled with is she didn't discipline him and he just ran crazy i just didn't see any future in him when i was with him tell you the truth and he says this about a 15-year-old kid. Yeah. And that, I think, is the crude stuff that he would say. I think he would yeah. say he was nothing. He was a nobody. He wasn't going to make it. I think he completely browbeat this kid. How do you do that to a kid who's 15? Also, the child of the woman you love. And like, and it gets worse, you guys. This is just the beginning. It gets worse. Ugh. So Pistol now tells us the day after his mother went missing, Rob changed all the locks on the house. Imagine this. Your mother goes missing. You have nowhere to go. You come home and the locks are changed and he says I would bang on the doors knock on the windows but no one would come made me feel really angry and upset at the same time it's still hard for me to believe and then it cuts to Rob and Rob is saying after Patrice went missing just as a precautionary measure I believe I changed all the locks in the house I can't even imagine it. Like, Pistol's world is upside down. He's banging and pounding on the doors. He's trying to get inside. He's like, get warm, even. Right, yeah. Ugh, Rob does this thing that I hate. He's like, uh, I believe, yeah, I believe I changed all the locks in the house. Bitch, just say that you changed them. Right. You know, this whole, like, I believe, stop doing this, like, faux intellectual bullshit. Like, I know. stop doing that. And also, one thing that we skipped, a couple weeks before Patrice goes missing. She had spoke about divorce a couple weeks prior to 
all of this happening because she was unhappy with uh, the relationship and had been for quite a few years up to that point. And Rob says to us today, like to Netflix and us, he's like, Patrice planning to divorce me is new information. We, she never made that comment to me. That is brand new information. I'm like, did Netflix just break the news that his, I that know. Patrice wanted to divorce him? Also, that's bullshit. You know that came up in fights. A million times. I know you don't want to yeah. say that you fought Rob, but you did. Um, <laughs> but it was, this is not new information for Rob at all. And he's trying to be like, yeah. I knew nothing that this person I was totally possessive of and controlling and jealous of. I didn't know she was going to leave me because that's a motive. Right, right. Like if he admits that he knew that she wanted to get out. Yeah. That doesn't look good for him. And so, you know, back to the house. Yeah. You know who else can't get into the house if you change the locks? Patrice. Uh-huh. If she comes back. It's that whole thing of, like, knowing she's not coming back the totally. day she goes missing. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Scott Peterson, like, ordering the porn channels. Just saying. <laughs> we see this sometimes, you know? Totally. Yeah, it's Ugh. true. It's true. I mean, I'm sure in the end it was better for Pistol. Oh, like, as bad yeah. as it was, being stuck in that house with Rob would have been absolutely the worst thing for him. Yeah. But, like, the fact that he is here today and is able to like talk to us and he's not in jail he didn't fucking kill rob Mm -hmm. like it's you know what i mean like it speaks very well of the way that his mother raised him until he was like 15 and a half years old absolutely so put a pin in rob as a suspect we'll get there the police actually tell us about a couple of other suspects before him yeah gary michael hilton Ooh, on my (laughs) list let me tell you we see this interview with this guy and he actually says the words as an artist uh, and as a sociopath, if, if you're doing this, she would like to select your victims. Well, as an artist and a sociopath, I'm like dot dot dot. I know what a charming fellow. <laughs> as know. an artist, because and the, as an artist and a sociopath, we learned that this guy he's been arrested for kidnapping and basically murdering this woman named Meredith Emerson. He abducted her and her dog, and he like kept her alive for a number of days. And then the cop tells us kept her alive for for a number of days and brutally murdered her. And then he says it again, brutally. This case has stuck with him, keeps him up at night. You could tell, the, like, yeah. his whole face changed, and you're like, oh, this guy's an, uh. So he would just pick people out. Like, he just targeted people. There was no, like, just real random. profile, just random. But he loved picking people at a hair salon. And he made the statement one day that his favorite place to go was a hair salon. He would go in and he would ask for money. Favorite time was lunchtime. And now you're thinking, wait a second, the register was open. Yeah, it was lunchtime. It was around 1150. So now you're thinking, okay, like maybe, maybe this is our guy. Yeah. So they're like, he hasn't admitted to the murder, but they can't rule him in or out. So now we learn about Jeremy Jones and this kid is young. I mean, he looks like he's like in his early 20s. He's Yeah. But, like, they say, like, he acts like a normal guy, but he just, like, has a demon inside him. And, like, they say he liked to sexually assault and murder women. He's confessed to six to eight murders. We hear him on tape confessing to Patrice's kidnapping and murder. Yeah, because he's like, I need to tell you about this hairdresser in Georgia. Like, I need to tell you all about her. And they're like, wait, what? Like, he he says Patrice's name during the interrogation. Like, it's, it's, oh, it's disgusting. The first time you met Patrice was at her shop. And so he says that like he's telling this story that he passed, he calls it the beauty shop, and he went in and said he needed a jump for his car. Now remember, this is where the jump thing becomes back. Mm -hmm. Because her car was brought out into the parking lot in the position of giving another car a jump. And he draws them. They're like, okay, yeah, sure, girl, but where were the cars? And he draws them exactly how they were in the parking lot. 
And then he says that, like, he kidnapped her, he killed her, took her 65 miles away and, like, killed her and dumped her in a river. And the cops just say, like... We made a pretty extensive search from where he said that he had done something. Cadaver dogs, boats, search and rescue personnel who are very adept at that. We didn't find anything in that area. No evidence that he actually did this murder. And then he actually recants the murder. And I'm like, but he drew the cars. And they say that he knew information that like only the murderer and the cops knew. Like this guy is a good suspect. But it's so weird. No evidence. And he recanted like that. That is very, very strange to me. I know. And then so now it's December 6, 2006. We're at a church somewhere in the middle of the woods. We're talking to this guy, Albert Clark. Are we ever? Are <laughs> we ever? <laughs> He's super excited to tell us about this biscuit he was eating on the back porch of the church. With his buddy. He's just sitting there eating a biscuit, which is like, girl, good for you. Yeah, good for you. you." And he's like, so I'm eating this biscuit with my buddy. Well, he's building the fellowship hall, and we're trying to finish it up. And uh, one of my friends come over and bought me a biscuit and wanted me to come around and eat it. Me and him, we come out on the back steps and uh, was eating a biscuit. And a bunch of buzzers down there flying around, and I said... I get through eight and I'm going to go down there and see what they're flying around about. And I just see, like, over yonder, a bunch of buzzards flying around in the woods. And I'm Which like, is like a real thing that's so, that it seems very ghoulish to me. Guess what? Because it is. So anyway, they go into the woods to investigate and like the buzzards are eating this deer carcass and while they're looking at this deer carcass, the guy's friend is like, girl, what is up behind you? And they turn around and they find a skull. It's like a human skull in the woods. Like next to this guy's foot and they're like, oh. And I'm like, what? Oh Can you imagine if someone, first of all, we would never be in the woods. We'd never be in the woods ever. I, no. But- <laughs> no. I just had like a nightmare thought of like stumbling upon a skull in the woods. No, this is why I don't like camping. This is why I don't condone it. Because uh, either you find a skull or you become the skull. That's the thing. Those are the two options. <laughs> That's it. That's what happens when you go camping, you guys. Oh my god. Travel down the road back again. Fam, this week's episode is brought to you by the podcast Crime Countdown. So let me ask you this. Who is the worst serial killer? Where is the creepiest cult? What's the coldest of all cold cases? If you're a true crime fan, you probably have asked yourself some of these questions. Well, the Parcast Networks, our friends, think you deserve answers, or at least some passionate opinions. And they've enlisted co-hosts Ash Kelly and Alina Urquhart from the hit podcast Morbid. Hi, ladies. We love you to get to the bottom of these things. So welcome to their podcast original series, Crime Countdown. Every Monday, Ash and Elena discuss 10 unsettling true crime stories centered around a common theme. They'll try to shock, surprise, and one-up each other, debating each case and their rankings with a hint of humor to lighten the mood. Crime Countdown topics range from the off-putting to the offbeat and include everything from the top 10 hotel crimes to the top 10 dangerous moms and even the top 10 stolen body parts. These best friends may not be experts, and they may not always agree, but they're counting anyway. Follow Crime Countdown free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Check out more podcast shows on Spotify by searching for Parcast in the Spotify search bar or go to Spotify.com slash Parcast. So now remember, this is 2005, right? So yeah. Pistol is a senior in high school and he's like, I got a call to go to the uh, principal's office, which wasn't rare for me because, you know, I was a kind of a problem at that point. 
And I love that he said that because it was so honest about like, he's really yeah. fucking going through it. And of course he's being called to the principal's office. And the, I don't fault him for that at all. But he was like, yeah, of course. I became kind of like a troubled kid. Wouldn't you? Like, yes, girl. Yeah, so totally. they tell him, Pistol, we found Patrice. And he's like, oh my God, that's amazing news. Like, where is she? Is she out in the car? When can I see her? I know, I know. And it's like, I don't know who, I, to me it's the same people who got him out of bio. Because it's like, you need to do better at how you, yeah. you, you ask him questions. Because to say, we found your mother, the way they said, and I know like, uh, I'm sure there's a better way to do this. But like, the fact that he just thought like, oh, so she's here? I know. It breaks and your you have heart. to break his heart again. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. And like, he's crying, telling us the story. He's like, and, uh, it was very hard for me to focus on anything for quite a while after that. Very hard day. It's still hard. And so we're back at this Lebanon Baptist church where they found this skeleton. And one of our cool, like, GBI police guys is there. And he's saying that, like, they found her body 600 days to the day after she went missing. Yeah. What a weird, random, like, round number. I know. I know. And so they search for a day and a half. They find almost half of her bones, which is just like, if that doesn't keep you up at night, then do better. I don't know what to tell you. Like, <laughs> God, God. If that doesn't keep you up at night, stop watching ID. This has become normal. For you. Like the sentence. <laughs> Patrick, I just said the sentence. They found half of her bones. I know. And it gets worse, you guys. It Great. gets worse. Ooh. Yeah, they find half of her bones. Put a pin in that. We're going to come back to it in a minute. So we're with Pistol, who says, I have different theories as far as what I think happened. But I told the police that I think Rob had something to do with my mother's murder. I think that uh, her trying to get a divorce from Rob played a major part in this. And he's like, I can't imagine how jealous she'd be of me if she knew that my mother was leaving her. Like, what kind of a rage that would put him into. And then we get the friends, and the friends are like, I always thought Rob was involved, too. Yep. And then we get Rob. And you can tell he's just been asked that question by the filmmaker. Yeah. And he's like, I have no comment for people who think that I killed Patrice because I don't talk to those people. Because I know I didn't. Patrice knows I didn't. And it's physically impossible, time-wise, for me to have been involved in it. Think what you like. And he gives us his alibi. And he says, the day Patrice went missing, I was at home. Before I went to work, I got gas and I got a receipt. To which I said, convenient. Do you always get a receipt or did you just get a receipt that one time, Rob? Just because you didn't kill her doesn't mean you're not involved. Right, of course. So they have the timestamp of the receipt of him getting the gas. Right. They also have the timestamp of him getting to work because there's like a turnstile with like an ID badge. Yeah. And they've got that timestamp and it's far enough away from where Patrice was that there wouldn't have been time for him to do it. And that's right. Like just because he didn't actually do the killing doesn't mean he didn't order her to be killed you know like, yeah or something and like and he says like well what would my motive be we didn't have life insurance and I was like girl people go crazy like this all the time we've made 9,000 episodes about it you're a crazy sad deranged old man we're gonna get to the deranged part oh. in just a minute oh and you learn that like your wife is leaving you and like you rather than letting her go you're gonna have her killed like that doesn't sound crazy to me and you know what you get you get nobody else having her right what you exactly. get doesn't have to be money or whatever first of all you got the house 
house and you got yeah. this problem child, quote unquote, pistol out of your life. And you got the fact that no one else has her and you get to have her in some way forever. So don't come with that shit. I mean, the only thing is that the cops tell us, like, we thoroughly investigated him. The timeline doesn't match up. Like, he really couldn't have been there. And they looked into the idea of, like, a murder for hire and they just say there's no evidence to show that that happened. And they say it with such sadness. They're like, you guys, we tried. We really, really, really looked at him. Yeah, like, sure. we, like, they are so on our side with this. They're like, we tried. But they they do say that, like, they can't 100% disqualify yeah. him. But at the same time, like, they kind of have nothing on this guy. I just don't think he did it. And, like, he's such a fucking dirtbag. I know. And then Rob wants to speculate on what happened to his wife. He says, I think someone who knew her routine did it. Then he says, was she kept captive for a while? Was You know, I hate to say this, but was she somebody's ploy for a while? Who knows when she was put out there or how someone take a wheelbarrow and haul her out there? I don't know. Was she somebody's toy for a while? And he does this fake like, and I don't even want to say it. Like it pains me to say it, but he just like, it's gross to me because it feels to me like he likes thinking about the possibilities that could have happened to her. And million percent. I just, I I can't, I can't, I can't and I won't. You guys, this like wanders into fucking Twilight Zone territory. Yeah, truly. It's such a perfect Unsolved Mysteries moment because we like, we're in a funeral home. We get like a lower third of like a, of like an old man and it just says Judson Caldwell, funeral home director. He's kind of a creepy old guy, even though I'm sure he's very, very nice. Lovely. He's calling her like Miss Patrice and Mr. Rob. Like, it's just creepy. Like, it's like perfectly creepy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Again, we have a weird job. Judson has a I weird know. job. Totally. Ooh, we're just trying to get through it. <laughs> totally. Rob tells us. I asked the people who took care of Patrice's remains, what I'd like you to do is the last farewell is to reassemble her. Lay her out for me. When it's here. He asked the funeral home to assemble her bones. Right. And they do it. They do it. And they do it. They leave him alone where I'm like, oh, please don't leave him alone with her remains. Rob tells us he picked up her skull, carried it around the room for a while. I'm actually, I can feel my stomach. Like I can, this is nauseating. Um, He kissed her goodbye. And then Patrice was cremated. And then Rob tells us that he's going to share something with us that he normally doesn't tell people with good reason. (laughs) He tells us, everyone, pull over. We haven't said it yet. Pull (laughs) over. Turn the car off. You guys, you made it all the way through the app. Maybe you're in the driveway. Turn that fucking car off. Go inside and get the wine. Turn it off. I'm like, I'm scared for your safety, your (laughs) personal safety. Are you ready? Three, two, one. Here I go. He says... Probably for a year or longer after Patrice was returned to me, her ashes, she stayed in my bed. I slept with her. It's something that I typically don't share with people, but she was like my teddy bear because that's how we used to, you know, that's how we used to sleep, snuggle together. Oh, I slept with her ashes, like what her ashes are in. I slept with her. He said... She was like my teddy bear. You guys, watching you having to say that was like the time I said mommy issues on the pates. And you hated both, it. And like threw up in our mouths. 
Look, <laughs> grieve how you grieve, but I hate yeah. Rob and I hate this. That's, yes. I mean. <laughs> but then, as if that weren't enough, he goes into the closet to get her ashes. He's never actually opened the box. So he's sleeping in his bed with a cardboard box containing a box that contains a bag that contains her ashes. And he says something, which is what I was saying before. Like, you'd have to get something from her being dead. He goes, and yes, I'm protective of Patrice and I have her. That's a good thing. And that is I know. that is scarier than any horror movie I've seen in the last however long. That is terrifying what he just and said. And he takes out the ashes and shows them to us. He pulls out the bag of her ashes. This is so fucking disrespectful. And he's like, I've never done this before. Like, how about you and the cameras and the lighting crew and everyone? Why don't we do this together? I'm like, wait, you've never, like, what is going on? And then insult to injury, he fucking tells us that he won't give any of the remains to her son, Pistol. He, like, gleefully tells us that he won't share the remains with him. He's like... I, oh, I'm not. I'm not sharing these ashes with anyone, especially Pistol. What oh is God. wrong with you? Like he's what so vindictive about Pistol. Like what? He's a. He was a kid. His mom is dead. Like, do you have any anything in your heart at all other than fucking blackness? And then I Pistol's know. here, and he's super emotional, and he's like, "Look, I never really got to say goodbye to my mom. I don't have a reminder. Uh, Rob's actually got him, and that hurts me more every day. I uh, couldn't do anything about it." Didn't get any pictures or anything at first. He has no physical memories, no mementos. You know, Pistol is kind of seemingly alone, and I'm sure he has a support system. He's a very well-adjusted person. He does have his dad, but Pistol says, you know, I I hope I could be at least half the person she was, knowing that, like, she's gone, he didn't get to say goodbye, and he has nothing physical of her because Rob won't let him have it. And, you know, if nothing else comes of the popularity of this episode, I hope the whole fucking world shuns this guy, Rob. Yes. I hope wherever he lives, they've all seen this episode. Even though I don't think he killed her, he is such a vindictive asshole to this little kid, now a grown man, who's been suffering his whole life from the loss of his mother. Yeah. And just, like, like, if you ever loved Patrice, if she was ever anything more than a fucking trophy wife for you, or just, like, a trophy in general, Mm -hmm. you would show some love or some kindness to her kid and, like, and give him some peace of mind and heart and he refuses to do that and you're a fucking garbage and I hate you Rob. Yeah, that's it. That's the thing. Fuck you, Rob. <laughs> like, oh my God. The worst. Oh my God, we did Unsolved Mysteries episode two. I never wanted to end. 13 minutes. Well, it was more than 13 minutes, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm obsessed, you guys. Um, The next episode is called House of Horror. Ooh. Is that what it's called? Yes. Girl. It is all in French. <laughs> and don't worry. We've figured out a, a workaround. There is, um, we're going to be able to use clips because it is in French, but it's also, uh, what's the word? It's dubbed, dubbed on Netflix. Yeah, yeah. So we have. So we're going to yeah. use the dubbing. It's going to be a little weird because like the dubbing isn't really acted. It's just sort of dubbed. It's kind of yelled at you. It's like shouted yeah. at you. It's very like you almost feel in trouble. The dubbing makes yeah. you feel like I didn't do it. Right. I- it's like perfect Unsolved Mysteries fodder because it just adds to the weird creep factor. I love Unsolved Mysteries. Uh, this story is so horrible. This is so horrible. It's really, really bad. You guys, don't forget, if you want more fun, laughs, good times, join me and GP on the Pates. 150 full bonus episodes to download and bitch right now. It's all the series you ever wanted us to cover. Yep. It's all there for you. Tell them about the merch, girl. So we have all this merch, you know, let the women do the work, all this cool stuff that you really asked us for. And it's everything you want, t-shirts, mugs, uh, bags, whatever you want. And we're giving all the money to charity. Yes. Uh, Oh, you guys, you can find us at truecrimeobsessed.com. That's where you can find all the promo codes for the ads that you're hearing. 
wearing, yep. all the merch, the link to the Patreon. We've got some videos from our live shows. It's a really fun spot. Oh, and all the episodes. Duh, I always forget to say that. That, that too. That That's too. worth mentioning, I think, all 150 yeah. of them. <laughs> Uh, you can find Jillian on all at all the places at Jillian with a G. And you are at Patrick Hines underscore on Insta. We got it. We got it. You know what? Now you're there now. We, we said it a hundred times. We, we, now we, I know. I love I, now I love my underscore. I own it. I own you it. You should own it. Oh, my God. Yeah. And you are Patrick Hines on Twitter. Thank you. <laughs> um, girl, I love you. Thank you for uh, I thank you for coming up with this idea of doing Unsolved Mysteries. Again, I'm so obsessed. You know, I'm just happy to be nominated, truly. I'm just I'm thrilled <laughs> to just be included in the whole thing. Oh, we love you, you guys. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thank you so much. See you soon. Bye. See you in like a couple days. We have a lot of yeah. stuff on your feed. We'll see you in a couple days. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. They give us a lot of those like establishing shots. Yes. One of them is of a, like an old mailbox full of mail. And I don't know why I hated it the first time. And I hated it the second time. Because we're going through a thing with the mail, with the postal yeah, service now. <laughs> we're kind of in. Yeah. I can't tell that far in the future. I don't know what the mailboxes look like in October, but I can see how that could be a little triggering right now. Save the post office, everybody. The look on your face that somebody would have the audacity to write a biology book. I know. My my poor dad is like, science is cool, right? I know. Like, I know, Dad, I, I'll get there. I'm not here. I'm not there now, yes, but I'll get there. Not so, now. Not today, Dad. I enjoy our job on, like, a regular week when we're just doing, like, a normal documentary. Well, I should hope so. Thank you. I'm so glad. Yeah, we, great. <laughs> Good to know. I was just remembering that I was born in a town called Buzzards Bay, girl. Oh, God. Buzzards Bay? Yes. I was born in that town. How? In our 800 episodes we've done together, Lady Pates and this. Buzzards Bay? You're just now telling me about Buzzards Bay? I will just say that the the first time I watched this, I was mildly hammered. And so I oh. remembered it differently than it was. So it was kind of like watching it again for the first time today when I watched oh, fun. it. fun. Yeah. Did you like it? Did you enjoy yeah, it? What do you think? I, I really enjoyed it. I was really glad to have that experience again for the first time. Thank you, alcohol. Alcohol.